Hello and welcome to episode 1232 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, November 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. Freezing over here in Texas, but uh, otherwise doing okay. You have a good holiday week? Yeah, I did all right. You know, uh, everybody survived, which is a good thing. Um, And uh, it is freezing here as well. It is 34 degrees in my office this morning. Um, and uh, oh, great, yeah. Well, we're fan. we're I, I have the cold stove season, even though it hasn't really been a cold stove, but it is a cold stove in my office. Cold. Yeah, there right you go, now. there you go. Yeah, because the stove is you know simmering, I, I think it's simmering nicely. We're going to get into some moves, and I mentioned last episode that this time last year, or around this time, like within a, a couple weeks here. A year ago was a massive flurry of moves. Will we get that again here with the winter meetings on deck? Um, it ended up being kind of your prototypical old school winter meetings where a bunch of stuff went down, a bunch of guys signed, and that was like the bulk of our of our off season. I was looking back at some old episodes, and you know we had four, five, six, seven star level players discussed in each one uh, for a couple different episodes there. So. Hopefully we get that as well. We are going to cover a couple moves. Then we're going to get into some small sample studs from the year. Now, we've discussed some recently. We did that second half stud episode, which those two kind of go hand in hand, especially if they broke out in the second half and that's all they'd really played. So we're not going to be talking about the likes of Zach Geloff or Royce Lewis or Yiner Diaz, or I think another one that would have fit was Will Benson. We've discussed them recently, and yeah, a couple of those yeah. guys we've discussed a lot, Royce and Yiner specifically. So I got eight different guys that we haven't given as much love to that had really strong small samples. And for me, the small sample was between 200 and 400 plate appearances and uh, you know, pretty decent bit of work there. Two of them are catchers too. We, we've talked about the depth of catcher. We kind of mentioned these two in passing when we were talking about some of that depth. We'll get into them a little bit deeper. Then some fun outfielders, a big slugger, and then a utility type guy. But let's talk some moves. My Tigers making moves, and I like this one, Justin. Kenta Maeda to the Tigers, two years, 24 million, 12 per. I got no beef with that. Um, you know, I got some Tiger f- fan friends that are hoping that this opens the door for like, uh, Yamamoto signing, but I'm not sure. I don't know what what their friendship is. I don't know if he's recruiting. Even if it's a standalone deal, I've got no issues with it. Maeda's always good when he pitches, unless he's unless he's hurt, basically, right? Like that's the only thing that ever really stops him is injury or the Dodgers moving him to the bullpen late in the season to manipulate his contract back when he played there. But other than that, this guy's just a good pitcher. He had some struggles early on in the year guess what? Turned out might have been dealing with some injuries. Had a 10 earned run outing in late April, right before a two-month IL stint. It counts, right? It's on the ledger. It counts. But whenever I see one of those right before an injury, mentally, I kind of discount a start like that. And he still, Kenta Maeda still put up a 10, uh, excuse me, a 423 ERA despite that. So if you take that out, we're down to a 3.47 ERA for Maeda um, in what would that be? 20 starts during the year. When he came back, he was pretty nails down the stretch. From late June on, Kenta Maeda put up 88 and a third innings of a 3.36 ERA with 103 strikeouts. I think you know he's got a little bit of a home run issue. Comerica can help that a bit. Solid pickup here. I think it's a decent. Uh, Decent Erod replacement from a skills standpoint. I would bet on Erod for more innings, put you know, in any given projection. But I do think the skills are replaced here. What do you think of Kenta Maeda, 36 years old, going to the Tigers? Uh, can we pour one out for Sawyer Gibson Long? Because that was fun while it lasted. That's fine. We we might have been overrating him. We as a, a fantasy baseball community anyway. I'm still excited about him. I and mean, you need more. Then five guys anyway. We don't know what the expectation is for Casey Mize. So you're right. He gets kicked out right now as far as penciling guys in. Yeah. But the hard the, part is they still have Spencer Turnbull. They still have. I, I, I have no. Alex I, Fado and. Not a good know, pitcher. I know, but out of options. So like he's going to be on that roster. And in the bullpen. The yeah. yeah. Uh, so just, uh, I mean, a little bit of a bummer. I mean, I think maybe you still take a dart throw on Sawyer Gibson long in a draft champions, but sure. other than that, he's, uh, 
um, you know, Turnbull was non tenured. I told you he was going to be. Oh, okay. There you because go. they, so. they, they're beefing. He's got, he got beef with the front office there. Yeah. And like I told you, y'all, Scott Harris was like saying the right things like, oh, he's our guy. You know, we're going to look to get him back on. Nope non-tendered him so he's gone fido i mean he's had some instances you're right he's going to make the roster but there's still if you love sawyer gibson long you're not paying a premium you can keep drafting him in, in dcs i i don't see any issue with that because no team's getting through the season with just five starters anyway yeah he's one of those guys that could probably come up like right when you need a starting pitcher in like june exactly um, so I don't, I don't mind it just means one less uh one less stash uh, that you can take. Uh, as far as Maeda goes, I mean, I love the fit. I, I love it for the Tigers. I love the fit for him. It's a good park. Um, I don't know that the park helps with the home run problem as much as we would maybe initially think. You look at like the X home runs in Comerica, it actually would be higher. I think the uh, X home runs thing is useless. Like okay. literally useless. Because it requires the same batted ball distribution. That's fair. And so um, why wouldn't you just use park factors? I mean, you could. You just use I, park factors. I just factors, find be but between the two, it's going to be a lot more useful. I think, I think over time, it gives you an idea of, okay, this is, you know, a better analogy to the park. So Target um, Field's been a 103 the last three years for righties. Comerica, 85. There you so go. I, I, think, so. I think it's a pretty decent gain for Maeda, who has had a pretty consistently uh, above one uh, homer per nine. I do agree with you that when he is on the field, he's a good pitcher. And the question is just how many starts are you actually going to get out of Kenta Maeda? Uh, the nice thing is the price on him is not going to be high at all. Yeah. So uh, let's see. He's current in the glad in the gladiators. Uh, Maeda is currently going at pick 277. That'll go up because anytime a guy signs, uh, their price goes up. But like, I don't really care as long as it doesn't go up like 20, 30 spots, which I don't think it necessarily will. I don't have a problem with where he's going. I mean, he's currently going in between um, uh, Shoto. Uh, I'm going to butcher this one. Um, I, I heard it the other day, too, because I also I also butched it. But butchered it, but uh, go ahead. You take your best yeah. shot at it. Inamanga? Imanaga. Imanaga. Who, like, hey, there's some potential upside there, but what do we know? Like, yeah. we just we have no idea. Uh, the other pitcher going ahead of him, and both of these guys are going about 10 picks ahead of uh, Maeda, so maybe this is where Maeda uh, ends up. Emmett Sheehan? Like, I don't know what Emmett Sheehan is. I, I think I'd take Maeda over both. And then uh, starting pitcher going behind, um, you got Kyle Harrison. Like, I don't want to draft Kyle Harrison. Carter not Crawford. A, not a gladiator, like, that's for sure. Yeah, so, like, I mean, guys who either don't have uh, Maeda's skills or his role, for sure. So, yeah, yeah I have no problem with where Maeda's going. I think he is a decent, you know, SP six something like that so in uh, fairness i don't want to draft my ada in a gladiator either no not in a gladiator. For like 20 starts but in a dc i'm all there because i think it's going to be 20 good starts giving my like solid 110 innings yeah. and, we'll, and we'll go from there with kenta maeda but yeah. solid pickup for the tigers he's the perfect guy for like 10 and 12 team leagues so like those of you play in the shallower formats like He's a perfect guy. You pick up, he gets injured, you drop him, and then you go back and pick him back up when he's back healthy. So, Bingo. Uh, you know, in in kind of your standard 10 and 12 team leagues, like Maeda is a perfect kind of target a little bit later. Yep, because if things uh, fall apart, you move on very easily from him or when he hits the IL, which Kenta Maeda does with some frequency. Uh, by the way, this coming in right now, we don't really have to get into it because... I don't know that Jason Hayward's moving the needle, but it looks like he's headed back to the Dodgers. But Whoa. this deal, this other deal, much more important. And I've mentioned it every time they've signed a pitcher and they've signed three now. There was a list of like eight Cardinals pitchers that just so very much fit the Cardinals image is what I mean by that. 
and they they you know they got Lance Lynn back. They brought in Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson very much on that list, and now they're finalizing a three-year deal with Sonny Gray, who I think fits that list as well. We mentioned like Aaron Nola was on that list, bringing back Jordan Montgomery. Um, just, there's just a bunch of guys that are like, oh yeah, they make sense for the Cardinals. I think Sonny Gray fits, and if they do follow through with this move, which they say you know it's close to finalizing, we've seen things fall apart before, and obviously we'll correct on, on Friday's episode if it falls through, but if it does go through, I think he's the ace, and I think they're probably done as far as like bigger name pitchers, because then they're going to have Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, and Steven Matz, and I think that's going to be their main five. What do you think of Sonny Gray in St. Louis? Is this an upgrade for him, neutral, or a downgrade? I mean, I think it's an upgrade. It's a fantastic defense behind him, uh, and it's a fantastic park. It's a pretty good division to pitch in, um, even though there are the team, the offensive teams in the division are getting better. I just don't think it's like, you know, it's not like pitching the AL or the NL East. So, um, yeah. I'll, I'll be here, but I'm going to peer off screen. I have to get some chapstick. And, it's, yeah, you know, I keep it stocked in my closet. Yeah, by the, of course you do. Yeah, by the barrel. But I'm right here. Go <laughs> ahead. Keep, keep going. Uh, and it's an interesting move by the Cardinals. Um, I think in conjunction with, uh, you know, signing Lance Lynn, signing uh, Kyle Gibson, you've now added three starting pitchers that at worst are going to give you just a crap ton of innings to go along with Miles Mikolas and uh, potentially Steven Matz, I guess. Uh, yeah, Matt's penciled in right now. So, um, and, you know, it's just a, it's a really old rotation. I just retweeted this so you can go see it, but Vlad Sedler, uh, he posted a GIF of, he said Cardinals rotation in 2024, and it's a picture of the Golden Girls having breakfast. Because uh, um, <laughs> you have funny. you have 34-year-old uh, Sonny Gray joining, 35-year-old Miles Miklas joining uh, with Kyle Gibson at 36, Lance Lynn at 36, Stephen Matz, the young man at 32, um, and will be 33 this season. So, uh, it is a very old rotation, uh, very Cardinals-esque. I mean, I, fi- I, I so guess may- they figure... So maybe I'm wrong. Let me interrupt you real quick there. So maybe I'm wrong about them being done because maybe they need supplemental guys. So maybe they go for like yeah. one more like name-level guy. Like Obviously, Gray is two cuts above. I don't think, I don't think they'll go for a name-level guy. Like I think, I think they I will. Think, I think they'll get another Kyle Gibson type. I yeah, they could. I, and, and that's what I'm saying. Because I, I was going to say, Gray's a top level name. Lynn and Gibson are kind of you know two cuts below. I think they get another Gibson Lynn type. I mean, I think they get another Stephen Matz type. He's in um, that same group. Yeah, um, Gibson well, Lynn well, Matz, all the same in my opinion. For me, a guy who can't who's left-handed. Mm-hmm. Who can go between the bullpen and the starting rotation. They got that with Zach Thompson, I think, though. God, Zach Thompson's so bad, though. Is he? He is. He pitched well when he pitched. I mean, he gave up too many hits, but yeah. well, it, was that's a a it was a 339 BABIP, though. It was 16% strikeout minus walk. I don't know. I, I it, it depends how viable that 24%, 25% strikeout rate is for Zach Thompson. Um. Then, then I would need you know if if I see they that one of lefties in the pen, and that's yeah, that's what I was kind of looking at with Thompson probably being chief among them that could start. I don't think John King and Drew Rom, a top you know, tier closer or like a really really good bullpen arm would be like really nice on this team. I think that could fit. Yeah, so maybe they're not done. Maybe they're not done because it is such an old rotation too. But I like this move for Gray. I'm taking a look at where he's been going in draft champions, which again is the 50 round draft. And they they also have Libertor in the minor. Uh, Stop. Stop it. I'm just saying a lefty can go between the bullpen and the rotation at triple A. Yes. If they really need that triple. Listen, I I fell for this guy a million times. I know he's just 24. I'm actually not fully out on him. I'm trying to, I'm being more tongue in cheek than anything else. So let me be clear that I haven't quit Matthew Libertor, but I don't know. What, what what does your boy Matt Thompson think? Our boy. I don't oh, know. Yeah, as I mean, well. yeah he, is he out on Libertor yeah, completely? Yeah. Uh, but they so. also they, they also have Tim Kentz uh and Roby in double A. Both the guys are top tier pitching arms. Yeah. Uh, 
that will probably be up at some point. So I think, I mean, this is, they may be done in terms of their rotation and maybe they're just going to add to their, their bullpen and maybe like, I don't even know if they need an offensive piece at this point. With Helsley and Gallegos, they'll probably only add like lower or like middle tier relievers. Yeah, so they probably won't fine. go for a big dog. But yeah, if they strengthen yeah. it, there's nothing wrong with that. And I agree. Where are they going to move on offense? Uh, maybe trade Tyler O'Neill, create something that way. Um, but I, I don't see a big offensive player. This pitching attack has been what we knew they were going to do. The one thing about the cards, you know, they're they're pretty easy to read. You know, they they stick with what works, and we knew that they were going to go heavy on the pitching. They have, and uh, I think they've done all right. It's just that it's super old with Gray, Gibson, and Lynn it is, joining it Michaelis is not, and Matt's. It is not what Cardinals fans wanted to see. Understandable, like, but they had to know it was coming. If you've been a Cardinals yeah. fan for more than 10 minutes, you knew this was coming, even though I understand the the annoyance with it. I mean, because Gray's it is so unflashed. Gray's a perfect choice for them, I think. Like it's it's a big except, they, except that he's thirty four. It's it's just that they didn't yeah. want another old head, right? I think that's what what you would but, what you would hear from most uh, Cardinals fans. It's like, really, another old guy? Yeah, so I, I think I that's mean, I, the I problem. Get that, but like, were they really gonna? I don't think they wanted to go long term on. You know, like I, no, I agree. I, so. I'm with you. I'm just saying, I see it from their side of like. Our third straight old head. That this is what we're doing. We're just going with old heads to replace uh, the pitching that we didn't have last year. It's just going to break down again. Like that's the counter if you're not happy with with these and, moves. And I totally get that. But at the same time, like Sunny Gray is healthy, and healthy is the only issue with Sunny Gray. If healthy, for sure talent's is, there. Yeah, he's a fantastic starting pitcher. Um, you know, the question, you know, I think for them was going to become like. If the you know, I think everybody thinks Jordan Montgomery is going back to Texas, or a lot of people think Jordan Montgomery is going back to Texas, which makes sense. Yeah, Aaron Nola already went back to uh to Philadelphia, unless you were gonna get um uh Blake Snell, and maybe they don't even want Blake Snell, you know, there's a lot of issues with Snell's profile. Like, what starting pitcher were you guys shooting for? Like, I mean, you know, you need starting pitching. You don't really need offense. Like, like what, what starting pitcher is making a bigger difference than Sonny Gray? Yeah, that's a good point. Once you, once you didn't get Nola and we don't know how, how in they were in on Nola. It was just those of us in, in the baseball world, like predicting him to go there. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a totally fair point. And so what could they have realistically expected? Not much. And uh, outside the, the of like. Next best starting pitcher is Eduardo Rodriguez and he may not want to go to St. Louis considering he didn't want to go to LA. He'd be another good fit though. He would be a great fit. I would have loved that. Like that would, that would absolutely work. But uh, okay. Well, that's uh, that's a solid move there. We like that for them. We think that that's going to work out for the cards. And so let's continue to move on here and talk about one other move before we get into our small sample gods, Eugenio Suarez. Moving over to the D-backs to play some third base there. They get a little bit, a little bit of power. Actually, not a little bit, a lot of bit of power. Pretty much exclusively power um, in this deal here. Not a bad deal. These two teams have, have been linking up lately. Obviously, the big Paul Seawall deal. But Carlos Vargas and Zevi Zavala are headed over there. It is kind of interesting for the Mar- Mar- Mariners to get a reliever from the D-backs after trading Paul Seawald there. Now, that's me mostly being tongue-in-cheek because Carlos Vargas and Paul Seawald are markedly different, but it's like, you know you had a really good reliever right there. I will say, I've always liked the Paul Seawald deal. I thought it was more justifiable than the Graveman deal, even as somebody who backed the Graveman deal. I thought Canzone and Rojas weren't bad pickups, even though they were trading their closer in in a playoff chase yet again. Um, I thought the two hitters might have helped them more. But now with this deal, um, you send back Vargas, who is an interesting, are much younger than Paul Seawald, you know, big strikeout arm. So he is different, 24 years old. And then he goes with backup catcher Zebi Zavala, uh, who I don't really think is a fantasy factor. So look at it as Suarez for Vargas here. Let's start with Suarez. He's obviously the big piece. Do you like him in Arizona? We got him penciled in at the third base spot, of course, and batting third right now. 
Well, it depends on what metric you want to use. If you use park factors, it's a downgrade. If you do, if you use X home runs, it's an upgrade. Uh, I'll use the park factor. So, uh, I'm fine with it. I mean, Eugenio Suarez has power wherever he goes. Yeah. Like I'm, has I don't power, think, will travel. You yeah, know. I don't. I don't think this is uh, an issue. You know, this is like the Chris Davis. Uh, uh, when he got are, traded from Milwaukee to Oakland, and everybody's like, "Oh worried? no!" Are you worried how much it fell off? I did not realize this. He played every game this year, so shouts to Suarez on that. He did drop from a two twenty three ISO to one fifty nine. What's up with uh, his power metrics? I, I wasn't. I was not tuned in to Suarez this year, so I, I missed this until just now looking at it. You got Max EV holding firm. You got yeah. overall EV, which is not a great metric to use but it did go up this year barrel rate did come down from 14 to 13 percent two point dip excuse me 15 to 13 percent uh but hard hit rate is down a half point i'm trying to find like what's the culprit here ground ball fly ball is not markedly different oh home run to fly ball there it is from 19 yeah. to 13. so is this just a bad luck thing and go I ahead mean, and let us know what is the x homers is that's probably where the x homers catches back up yeah, uh, the X home run in Arizona would be uh, 25 to the 22 that he hit. So, um, though, I mean, the X home run in Seattle was 26. So I guess it's not any better. I, I think part of this was luck. I think part of this was, or bad luck on Suarez's part. You know, you, you mentioned the home run to fly ball rate. The uh, X slug was markedly better than his slugging percentage. Like, I think he will end up just being fine. Like, there's nothing in the metrics that tell me that he's a guy that is like burnt or anything like that. And we've also seen this from, you know, Suarez, you know, before where it's like, oh, the power's great. And then the power drops off a little and then power's great again. So, like, I'm not, I'm not worried for, about Suarez at all. I think you it know, didn't you drop know like this, though. He had the bad. 2021 but the power was still there from like an iso standpoint i i don't think that i'm not pushing back on you because i think that you're wrong in anything you've said i'm just saying like it does look like just a homer to fly ball thing every other power metric for suarez is in line with history so yeah. how can i get behind anything but homer to fly ball here that's the only major change and i, I think it explains a lot of what we're dealing with here in fact yeah. we can we can run the numbers we can give them six points more here because we know how many fly balls he hit. He hit 171 times 19%. Guess what, Justin? That's 32 homers. You know how many yeah. he hit the year before? The 32. two years before? Yeah, 31 32. and 31. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not worried at all. Now, has this fall off, quote unquote, bred any level of a discount for Suarez? I'm going to tell you that he is pick 281 in DC's. Uh, the 24th third baseman off the board. That feels like two seventy nine opportunity. Yeah, 279 in the Gladiator. So uh, I think this is a buying opportunity. Even the price raises a little bit. Like, I don't think that that matters that much. Um, good news, too, is that Suarez actually is a pretty decent defensive third baseman. I know he got a lot of flack for being a really shitty shortstop earlier on in his career, but he, he actually is a pretty, you know, he doesn't have a great arm, but he has a pretty decent range at third base. So uh, the great infield defense shouldn't be affected in Arizona if you're worried about kind of that for, for their pitchers. That's good. Uh, you know, I think one of the questions, I think or there's actually two kind of questions that this kind of brings up, uh, not for Suarez, because I think you and I both still like Suarez, especially at the price, yep. is one, what does this do to for Lawler? For Lawler, does that mean he's going down, or does Perdomo move into a super utility role? Um, I, I think it's you know. that Lawler doesn't have a spot yet. It just, I don't think it's any deeper than that. But he's going to have a spot at some point. Um, but maybe not this year. He's twenty-one. It's, yeah, you could. I mean, be he had right. a good year, right? Like mm -hmm. nice double A, triple A year, mostly at double, where he put up a one twenty two WRC plus, went up to triple A for two weeks, cooked one fifty WRC plus, one five zero, uh, got a little two week sample in the majors. It didn't go well. I don't give a shit. It was a minus four for those that are wondering. Um, it could have been a one fifty four, and I I would feel the exact same because it's thirty four plate appearances. But twenty one years old, they can easily justify putting him in triple A for 
a month, month and a half. Um, Unless he just, you know, kills. If he goes with a 150 WRC plus again, well, then he's going to force some things and then we'll see what's what. But I think going into the season, it's very clear that Jordan Waller's not going to break camp. There's no reason to. And then what does this do for Seattle? Uh, Does this mean my boy, Josh Rojas, has a role? Because Rojas is actually decent down the stretch for Seattle. He still only has to. He can still only be a platoon guy, though, right? Yeah, yeah, strong side, strong side platoon. But uh, that that makes him a more interesting guy in draft champions leagues. Sure, I can. I can agree with that. In your tens and twelves, you're not drafting Josh or us, but I like him in other places. Yeah, and this does open up an avenue for him. Do they have any prospects that might be uh, benefiting from this? I'm looking right now. I don't see any that are like name guys that that jump out. Uh, their main prospects, well, Harry Ford, of course, is, is a catcher, and I believe he can actually play other spots too. He's like really athletic and everything. But then a bunch of pitchers, and I don't really see. And then you get the hitters are outfielders, yeah. So I don't see like a um, a, a minor league prospect that's an infielder that really benefits from this. I do think your boy Rojas, oh, and Luis Odias, who they picked up from Boston, yeah, he's going to play a lot of third as well rojas can play second so i think they can also add someone in free agency like true true but they might go with those two and they might like both those guys all right let's talk some small sample gods here uh again not talking about guys that we've already discussed so don't be like oh you forgot about royce lewis no we know but if we talk about them but about royce lewis one more time y'all are gonna kill me just drafted royce lewis I, and I like I like that gladiator that got him in the ba- there. Got him back into the fourth round. It's not bad at all. So I did a uh, I did a stat head uh, run over at uh, at Bref between 400 and 200 plate appearances with an OPS plus of a buck 15. You know, just just arbitrary there. Just kind of get the guys that did pretty well in that relatively small sample. And again, lots of guys that we've discussed plenty: Royce Lewis, Zach Geloff, Mitch Garver. Will Benson, Yiner, Diaz, but plenty that we haven't really dove in on. And I want to start with somebody who we might have been talking about a ton, if not for a pretty devastating injury, which really sucked at the end of the year, just as things were popping off for Stone Garrett. He breaks his leg trying to make a defensive play in Yankee Stadium, and that really, really sucked. Now, he's always looked like a short side platoon guy because he's blasted lefties and had issues with righties. He doesn't have great plate skills with a 30% strikeout rate, but he did jump up to a 10% walk rate this year. And even in the small sample, it's at least notable, and it was helping him perform well. So we saw a 115 WRC plus, 269, 343, 457 slash line with nine homers and three steals and 271 plate appearances for Stone Garrett. He's expected to be ready for spring training and everything because he's already running a bit uh, as of late November. In fact, last week was the update. Do we like Stone Garrett to uh, to build on that sample that he was showing? Was it just a flash that people are going to overrate? Or will the injury keep his price in check so that it was a flash, but people aren't going to overrate it? Where do you come out on Stone Garrett? That's a really interesting question because, I mean, Stone Garrett feels like every year the the guy that we talk about that is like, oh, I wish they would just give him a chance to see, like, if he can make the atrocious plate skills work. Yeah. Um, and because he, he made improvements. Like, I know that, like, yes, there's still not great contact ability here, but he dropped his O swing five and a half percent. He raised his in zone contact over two percent. Um, yeah, the swinging strike rate still at sixteen percent. He's always going to be a thirty plus percent strikeout guy, but like, if he can live in the low thirties, like, how much different is he from a hitting perspective? Obviously, he runs, which Suarez doesn't. Then. I mean, it was Suarez, we just talked about. That he's probably going to strike out 30% of the time, but if you give him enough play parts, he's going to hit 30-plus bombs. Mm-hmm. I think that's in the range of outcomes for Stone Garrett. The problem is, what else is in the range of outcomes is spending the entire AAA, or the majority of the year at AAA, and now you, at, you factor in a devastating injury, yep. and that's a problem. Where's he going in... in in draft game because he's not being drafted in gladiators 491 in between some 
intriguing names, I think. Um, Oscar Colas on the young and up, up and coming side and Trent Grisham on the, I can't quit this guy side. He's right in between those two. Uh, in fact, no, if I'll, you, go ahead. I was gonna say, I'll take him over Colas because uh, one, I don't know if Colas has a job. Um, he certainly even, doesn't to start. I, in fact, I want to say a recent mining, the news made it, relatively clear that he was going to start in the minors. I might have the wrong guy, so I'm, I'm fact-checking that. But go ahead. What were you going to say about um, yeah. uh, with regards to Grisham and, and Colas? So in terms of Grisham, it really depends on what you're looking for. I, I think often when you get to round pick 500 in a draft champions, people are looking for guys with upside. And not to say that Grisham doesn't have upside, the thing that Grisham has over Stone Garrett is a guaranteed role. Like Grisham is going to play all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually more valuable in draft champions because when injuries hit, you need to make sure you have guys who can fill in your lineup because yep. you can't go to the waiver wire and pick up the guy nobody drafted. So uh, I think in draft champions leagues, I am taking Grisham. But Same. in a standard league, I might just take Stone Garrett. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, and then I just go and pick up a, a Trent Grisham or someone like that. Yep. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And in DCs, I'm definitely going Grisham. Lock in my, like, at least 450 plate appearances, you'd think, unless he just completely falls apart at the dish again. I mean, he improved but a little bit. But at least defensively, Grisham That's the thing. Good. That's the thing. They're going to play him. He's played 152 and 153 games the last two years with an 81 and 87 uh, OPS plus for the Padres. This is Trent Grisham. Unless another uh, person emerges that can take that center field spot, they appear committed to him as long as he's kind of living in the in the 80s there with his OPS plus, which isn't great, of course, but he bats ninth and he picks it beautifully in the outfield. So he can be a two-win guy like that. So yeah, I agree there. Stone Garrett, you wonder if the leg will impede the steals at all. He wasn't, he wasn't burning up the bases in the first place during his little run. It was actually kind of a power run that put Stone Garrett on the map before the injury. Uh, but three steals, so I don't know what to make. Like six steals and 355 career plate appearances. That's a uh, full season of like 10, maybe. Yeah. Um, Stone, so really Garrett power. Is, Stone Garrett is like a right-handed version of uh, Jack Sawinski. And like... Ooh. Swinsky has been able to be fantasy viable. Now he's maddening. And if you're playing in head ed leagues, don't draft him because there's going to be these hot stretches that you love. And then you're going to, but you're also going to eat the cold stretches, which kill you uh, in a week. Uh, But for Roto, just give me the final line, baby. Yeah. Give me the final line. No, I'm I'm with you. And I like Jack Swinsky. Um, he he's run more. If Garrett can run like that, that would be a nice little comparison. Oscar Colas expected to start a season in Triple A. Chris Getz mentioned that he would benefit from more regular time in Triple A Charlotte. So I did have that right from the mining the news. You mentioned Jack Sawinski. That was an inadvertent uh, segue as we move over to the Pirates and talk about somebody I don't think we've mentioned at all this year but are you familiar with what jared triolo did in the 209 plate appearances i am now because I, I i didn't know who it was uh i mean no i knew who it was but like i i he was one of those guys that like towards the end of the season i was like uh like uh like i really just need a body i need and he keeps popping up and, and he's like oh he's got six stolen bases on the year like could he be, you know, he's hitting almost 300 and, yep. um, but I don't think I ever pulled the trigger on him. Uh, and I, I mean, it's interesting. Like he's an interesting guy for this year because he might play in Pittsburgh. It really depends on what Pittsburgh does here. Um, in, I think in they're the going to carve out a role for him and let him kind of bounce around a bunch of spots as a super util for Triolo, um, including maybe some second being added to his mix per a, another mining the news, a, a different one than the Oscar Colas one. But uh, Jeff had talked about how he altered his batting stance to help him get in a little bit of pop and he might end up playing some second. Of course, we'll see what happens with somebody like Leo Verpaguero, um and O'Neill Cruz's health. 
you know, Juwan Bay is still there. Like, yeah, you got Cabrizi at third, locking that down. Triolo currently penciled in at first base for them. And so if he plays, could be interesting. He ended up putting up three homers and six steals and 209 plate appearances, 298, 388, 398. That's right. The OBP and slug were 10 points apart, which is not great. He had a sub 100 ISO. So, you know, I mentioned that the uh, the batting stance helped him get into some more power. You can imagine where it was before if a z- mm-hmm. 0.99 uh, ISO is a power jump. But uh, he wrote a 440 BABIP, too. Let's be clear on that with Jared Triolo. But I'm wondering if if you find any intrigue here. He strikes out too much, but he does take some walks, 12%. I like that. He's always taken walks. He runs a bit. I, I think that's where it could be sneaky. Like, if Jared Triolo got enough playing time, I could see, like, five, six homers, but maybe upwards of 20 steals because of how often he gets on base with, with the Pirates. Do you think a 26-year-old Jared Triolo has any draft champions vibes? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got some draft champions vibes. Like, not he's not a dude that, like, you're going to go, like, this is my guy that's going to help me win. He's not this year's Cedric Collins. He's no. not this year's TJ Friedel. But he, like, could be just a guy that plays a fair amount because he can play all over the place, multi-positional eligible, which helps in terms of, like, filling those roster spots. when Only in a lower qualification. Players. He's third base coming in. But he, he will. He will. Sure, have sure, that. sure. I just want to point out second and th- and first, if you only need five starts, he had six at first, 10 at second, 35 at third. But I agree. He will add it. I just want to make people understand yeah. that he won't have it at the draft table. Go ahead, Jared Triolo. The problem is, like, he doesn't have a carrying tool in fantasy necessarily. Correct. So, like, like he's got a little bit of speed. He's got very little bit of power. Um, I think... You know, he did strike out at a 30% clip, but I think that is a little bit deceptive. Talking about a guy with a 13% swing and strike rate, made just below league average zone contact, uh, you know, swung outside the zone 30% of the time. I think the the strikeouts actually will be okay, uh, but he's obviously not going to run a 440 BABIP. So the batting average is going to come down either way. but like you're talking about a guy that maybe if he could get to 500 plate appearances could be like a a 715 guy. Um, yeah. But- I, I, so we have a range there, right? You say 715. I was saying 520. So that's what the kind of player we're talking about here with Triolo. Yeah. He strikes me as a guy who could maybe attack more. I think some of his strikeout rate is built on trying to take a walk. Yeah. A little bit too passive, perhaps. We talk about this concept a lot with different players. I think Trillo might suffer from it. And maybe if he attacks a bit more, can get into some more pop, take the pitches that he can hit instead of trying to get deep into account and just force a walk. Um, but we'll keep an eye on him. I think he's an NL NL guy, late in your draft champions. I mean, we are yeah. talking 465 in draft champions. Like He is not an expensive pickup. He's in the 30s rounds consistently, if you want. Jared Triolo. Any last words on him before we move on? No. Let's talk Willie Castro from Minnesota. And uh, I, I expected that he might, uh, even though I couldn't really remember any conversations that we'd had about him, I went to go look and see, okay, have we been talking about him a bunch too? Because he had a ton of steals, 33 steals this year for Willie Castro. And we actually haven't really discussed him that much. He's kind of been under our radar. The last time he was mentioned on a pod was late July. And so, uh, you know, my fault on that for not putting him on a rundown, but Willie Castro ended up being a really interesting fantasy player for folks. Tough part was he was in and out of the lineup. So he was bouncing around the league that way because he would not play for a while, or I think he actually got hurt for a, a little spell too. So he wound up with 409 plate appearances, nine homers, 33 steals, 257, 339, 411 on the slash line. Not a bad season for Willie Castro in a super util role. Can he maintain that role and continue to be a stolen base asset? Or are you worried about the uh, the big gaudy 33 steals over inflating Willie Castro's price? What do you think? I mean, I think a lot of Willie Castro's value uh, is dependent on what the Twins are doing with Byron Buxton. Is Buxton going to just be at DH now? Like, are they? I, I mean, think they have to stick with that. 
which is crazy because they gave him the big contract in part because he's a premium defender. True. But dude cannot but, stay healthy. Like, yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter. Like if like he's a premium defender, if he's defending the IL. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. So that's the tough part there that they're, that they're conflicted with. I mean, Justin, it's still, I know we do talk about Buxton a lot. He still has one 100 game season. 100 isn't even that good, but he has one. It was 140, but it was ages ago now in 2017. It's just like, I know we all know about his health and all that, but like you, sometimes you really have to say it and really understand how Buxton just doesn't play. Um, so your, your point there is like Willie Castro can get a lot more center field burn yeah. if they're not playing Buxton there, but he can also bounce around. He's a better defender, I believe, than Polanco, particularly at second. Correa's well, health has never been. You know, everybody's health on this team. Like, true, we true. Just Royce. Royce Lewis, uh, Jorge Polanco, uh, you know, Bucks, Correa, Correa, like all of like this entire team's health has been uh, atrocious. So, like, I think there is a lot of reason why Willie Castro could easily be a guy that um, plays every day and gets to find a 50 play appearances. The crazy thing is, is he's not a burner. Like he's not no, like smart the fast. That's a guy. He's just a smart base runner. And this was the guy that a lot of people were talking about, or type of guy a lot of people were talking about. Yes, as like, oh, hey, he was a middling stolen base guy before, but with the new rules, he could steal a bunch more, and he did. You know, I don't know that I would project him to get to thirty stolen bases again, but I think twenty five is easily within the range of outcomes, especially if we're expecting five hundred plus plate appearances from him, which I would be. This is why we have no clue on projecting steals, though, outside of the just the burners yeah. that we know are going to run. Dude was nine for 13 two years in a row. Willie mm -hmm. Castro was. And it's like, OK, that's pedestrian. Um, you know, it's a bad raid at 69 percent. It's not nice. So, OK, like what do we we're not going to expect this guy to do anything, maybe even with the new rules. Eighty seven percent success rate and 33 steals. Like yeah. it's just so difficult because it isn't just the speed it is the smarts of knowing when to go and uh great great season for Willie Castro he's still only going to be 27 and if he gets that 500 plate appearances like you're saying that could be really nice for him 312 is his ADP in uh in draft champions Willie Castro third in outfield eligibility you're paying that premium for him or not a, it's not a premium you're paying that price I should say I don't think it's a yeah, premium I, necessarily I think I am especially if I need speed um I think that, uh, yeah, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be multi-position eligible. I, I would pay for that price, yeah. Yeah, I I, I think I would too. Um, he was a guy that I kind of watched him do this thing all year, and I missed him one of the times that he was available in my league, and I could have used the steals. But, uh, yeah, I, even if we're not projecting 30 again, put him down for low 20s for four-something plate appearances, and if he gets to 500 and reaches 25-plus, we're golden. Uh, so that's Willie Castro. I like him over there in Minnesota. Let's talk a, a banger. Let's go. Let's go power on this one. And a bit of an older guy who people that have listened to the show for a while will, will remember that. I used to love this dude. Fell out of love with old Ryan O'Hearn because why wouldn't I? You know, he wasn't in KC anymore, which isn't a great place to be. But I just thought that's where he's going to get playing time. That's where he's going to find success. Uh, it was built on, you know, his 2018 small sample. I was like, oh, this guy's got power. And I think I even compared him to um, the early breakout of Matt Olson because he had a small sample at the end of a year that ended up, you know, turning into who he turned into. Uh, that was not the case for O'Hearn. After that 2018 flourish in 170 plate appearances, Ryan O'Hearn went on to post 901 plate appearances of a 70 OPS plus, Justin, a 70. So, of course, I, I moved on. I gave up. He goes to Baltimore this year, and he puts up another big flourish. 368 plate appearances, 14 bombs, 289, 322, 480 for the slash line. Is there something here or just another small sample run from a decent power hitter, but not anything special? What do you think of Ryan O'Hearn in Baltimore? Oh. <laughs> um, Can I tell you I before you answer? He is penciled in as the first baseman right now. Can I at least just tell you that? You, you I'm not can. saying I believe it, but you I just want that me. on the table. Go ahead. Talk about Ryan O'Hearn. The underlying numbers say this is somewhat legitimate. Um, Pardon me? I'm sorry. What was that? The underlying numbers say this is somewhat legitimate. Oh, we're talking, okay. We're talking about a guy who had a 10% barrel rate, uh, you know, 
above league average zone contact, hits for power. I think the biggest issue for O'Hearn is he's a guy that tends to not elevate the ball. We're talking about a you know his career uh, fly ball percentage is thirty six percent. Uh, and that's what he had in 2023 as well. So I think that's fairly, fairly legitimate. Uh, and that's a hard part to hit for power in to begin with. So, uh, and then you move on to the bigger issue, which is I know he's penciled in as a strong side platoon at first base, but I don't know that I believe that. Like, I'm not sure I do either. I, I, uh... So, you know, for those that aren't watching on YouTube, I, I had a pretty big dopey smile on my face when I was saying that, knowing that you weren't going to be yeah. fully sold on that. But that was kind of the point was like, hey, what about this, though? And you're like, yeah, OK. Yeah, I, I just I don't know, even if he is on the team, which I don't know for sure that he will be on the team. Uh, I don't know where 500 plate appearances come from. And I and it's hard to want to invest in a guy that I don't think has a reasonable path to 500 plate appearances. Um, now, I mean, if he hits the way he's hit uh, in 2023, then he'll fig they'll figure it out. Um, I mean, I, he can play the outfield technically though. The outfield is, I mean, every position there is just completely blocked Ex off. Except, except for, first. for but do they start to use first to put some of that runoff in? And I say runoff as if like Kobe Mayo isn't a badass prospect, but like they can't find a spot for him. So is is that going to be the spot well, for somebody like that? And they like had Tandare playing there too sometimes last And maybe year. that's the move because he's not, you know, the most nimble outfielder. Maybe you get him there and then you move one of these infielders to the outfield and let them I express mean, their athleticism out there. The 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 move obviously that everybody's screaming for is trade some of this hitting for pitching correct um, but who's selling pitching and as much as this young hitting is young it's outside of like jackson holiday none of their like guys that are up right now are necessarily like surefire prospects um sure so. i mean you're only trading a surefire though if you're getting an ace and like you said who's trading an ace yeah. but i think you can trade you can start to work on something with the likes of a Mayo, a Colton Kowser, a uh, Heston Kierstead for a, a pretty good pitcher still. I think you're still getting back something good. Right. And I know, you know, it gets so boring because all we ever do is talk about the Marlins trading pitching for hitting with these teams. But I keep going back to them for a reason. Now, yeah. they're less flush these days because, you know, now Sandy's out for the year and uh, we've moved on from the uh, Edward Cabrera situation as like really becoming anything. So maybe they're not as flush. But you do wonder if Baltimore is going to make that move because they do have so much hitting talent on the prospect yeah. side. And they can pair a couple. You know, you put a Westberg and a Kierstead together, that should bring back a pretty damn good pitcher, no? I, I mean, I would think it would but who, who knows but who's I mean, selling to your point which is a fair question like i mean you just saw you know sunny gray get three years at age 34 and guys like lance lynn and kyle gibson be some of the first pitchers come off the market like teams need pitching they're not trading pitching um and in fairness that was all the same team yeah but i mean but can we think of, of any team that has well okay let's go to the other team that we always talk about in default with a lot of pitching cleveland and we know they don't want to pay anybody ever so you know getting getting younger guys is is part of their mo shane bieber for some of those guys that's what i'm saying yeah now i, mean, I don't even know other, if you gotta do other... some because of some of the issues that bieber's run into does one of those names i mentioned a westberg kirstead mayo Kowser? Does that with 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 some supplemental prospects thrown in, like maybe not some of the top? I mean, I think Cleveland would do that. The question is, will Baltimore? Like, Baltimore I don't know. It would depend how they feel about Bieber. Yeah. Does he really mm -hmm. add for them? Um, I know do you're they not want a to huge spend Bieber. that kind of money. How much does he cost? Well, he's an ARB still. More, more than forty dollars, which is tough for the Orioles apparently. Even so though he made no he money. he made ten mil this past. Oh wait, actually, I don't have to try to guess. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors has ARB estimates. Let me. Look I'm going to guess 15 quick. million. I think you're probably going to be close. And I'm going to look up to see what it is. Arbitration projection. 15.69 is my guess. 
I thought you were closer. Uh, their estimate is not much, 12-2, only a $2.2 million raise. Now, he isn't coming off the best year, but it's 128 innings that went pretty well. I think they're a little shy. I think it's closer to yours than it is to the 12-2, yeah. but we'll see. Um, anyway, that's only a one-year commitment. Do you give a Colton Kowser for that? I don't know. I think that becomes a hard, hard sell. I think I'm more, I mentioned him specifically. I don't know if he's the lowest of that bunch, but like, I think Westberg's probably on the higher end. I mentioned Kowser cause he's an outfielder. I think they'd be more inclined to move an outfielder. And then if they need outfield, move an out, infielder out there later. So I don't know. I think Kowser is the lowest ranked. Maybe he's the dude who knows. Um, I think the reason that we're on this tangent though is because they could make moves to squeeze out O'Hearn pretty easily. Yeah. And we and gotta, so we gotta hurry problem. up. I've got my that's chat right. Here. That's right. You got your chat coming up here. So let's move on. Uh Brendan Donovan. He was turning it around, man. And I maybe I'm saying that mostly as somebody who bought in on him coming into the year. But uh he had gotten cut in my league. I picked him up, things were turning around, and then he got hurt. And uh, his season was over in July. He had had a really good June and July. And if you didn't have him, you might have missed that. You might have just wrote off uh, Brendan Donovan as kind of a flop season based on expectations that he had. But he wound up with 11 homers. Remember, we were talking power upgrade for him. He actually did have it. It got there. 12, uh, 11 homers in 371 plate appearances after 5 and 468. I'm fully bought in on, on Brendan Donovan again next year. What say you? Do you like him? Uh, I mean, I loved him last year. I'm going to love him again this year. Uh, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on 281. the price. Ooh, 281 feels like a lot of people already love him. Um, I was oh, you think that. that's a lot of love? I, I paid 272 like... in our in our Gladiator, and I didn't I know. regret it. Uh, I think, you know, we, the question is, like, will he be ready for the start of the season? Um, Let me get an update on that. And what's his role going to be on the team? He's already started Super a throwing util. program. program so, Early November. Uh, and there has been a lot of talk that Tommy Edmond could get traded out of uh, St. Louis. So, like, I think he's going to play every day. He's just going to bounce around like he always does. And I think he is just a really fun uh, guy who can accumulate uh, at a lot Agreed. of different positions. The, the only part that is a bummer is because he um uh, because he got hurt he, it limits the amount of positions he's going to be <sighs> eligible at to start the season um but he's still eligible at second and outfield which is fine so okay good oh i was looking at something else where i thought he only qualified at first it was it did a weird cutoff um no first he'll qualify in if you have 10 start minimum yeah other than that it's just yeah, second and outfield but that's not bad second and outfield i'll take that uh, for Brendan Donovan, I'm excited about him, and I'm paying 281. I paid 272 in our Gladiator. Uh, two catchers before uh, as we wrap up here. Bo Naylor, we have gotten some talk about him because we've talked about the catcher market and how it really has has uh, experienced a boom. And these two that we're going to talk about are definitely part of that. Bo Naylor joining his brother Josh, obviously there in Cleveland. He came up this year, put up. 11 homers and five steals with a 237 average and 230 plate appearances. Justin, does a 24 year old Bo Naylor jump out to somebody, uh, jump out to you as somebody you want to get next year? Uh, we're talking about above league average zone contact for a catcher, doesn't swing outside of the zone, doesn't strike out uh, a ton, you know, 8% swing strike rate, uh, which is, you know, kind of says that maybe the strikeout rate will actually drop below 20%. But even if it doesn't, I mean, he was 23% this year. There's power. Like there's some sneaky speed. Mm -hmm. uh, I love Bo Naylor. I think Bo Naylor is going to be a massive target for me as a C2 in a lot of drafts. Uh, and The market even if is I'm, a fan. The market's a fan. He's catcher 12 at pick 170. Oh, wow. Okay, um, Going ahead of um, Ohapi, Haim, Ruiz. Ooh. ooh. Okay, I think he deserves to be going there. I was hoping he would be going lower. Agreed. Um, uh, I, I I can't I can't even say it in a different way. I totally agree. Like I like Bo Naylor. I'm I'm interested. I'm not out on that price, but I'm probably not paying it often. I might get my Bo Naylor share just to be in on it, but um, there's just too many catchers I like behind. I didn't even mention Camposano, Garver, Tyler Stevenson, Alejandro Kirk, Dan Jan. The next guy we're going to talk about, Ryan Jeffers. So. 
that's the tough part for me. The 11 homers and five steals really jumped out for people with Bo Naylor. And so they're paying a premium for him, which again, like you said, is fair and deserved, but might be a little richer than I want to pay with yeah. those other, all those other great catchers behind him. Mm -hmm. But let's bring in Jeffers then, because I think his season was even sneakier. You know, Bo Naylor was a big time prospect. People were expecting things. They'd seen that his brother could perform, you know, that fair or not, that builds some expectation for him uh, as well. Ryan Jeffers more sneaky. Remember, he popped 14 homers back in 2021, but he hit 199 with that. So I think that went completely under the radar. He popped another 14 this year, and he only needed uh, 42 more plate appearances to do it versus what he did in 2021. But this time he hit 276, 369, and 490, which is a hell of a slash line, is Ryan Jeffers somebody to get in on. And as I mentioned, he's a good bit cheaper at pick 280. What do you think of Ryan Jeffers in Minnesota? So I think Jeffers was my second catcher on our gladiator. Um, if I'm remembering that is correct. You picked him right at ADP too, 279. I'm kind of regretting it a little bit. Um, oh, I mean, tell. the, he got pretty lucky in the Babbitt department. He's a career 305 Babbitt guy at a 359 Babbitt. XPA was uh, 232. Uh, you know, he makes, you know, round league average contacts so a little bit below. Now, does XBA smooth out your BABIP sort of like an X yes. does with your home run rate? Okay. Yeah. So it's it's worth bringing that up so that the, the frame of reference is there. But in a way, citing the BABIP being high and then citing the XBA is saying the same thing two different it, ways it's, in a way. It's, yeah, it, it's more backing it up right exactly um, exactly as, as just so to, i just want people to understand what yeah. those stats are doing that was underscoring it not saying two separate things continue on ryan jeffers so you, you've got some skepticism yeah and i just don't see where like a ton of extra plate appearances come in like he's not a guy that i think they're going especially with uh minnesota having buxton DHing a lot other guys who are going to need days off to, and be using the dh just keep their bats in the lineup um I just don't think that he's one of those guys that we see get to 450 or even 400 plate appearances. I think he's probably mid 300 plate appearances and that kind of caps the, the outcome level, the batting average drops. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad pick. I don't think sure. he's someone you should necessarily avoid, but like, I was like, Oh man, I feel like this is a really good, like buying opportunity on a guy that, you know, is coming off of a, a sneaky good, you know, season. And mm -hmm. I think, no, I think he's probably a 235, 240 hitter with like 13, 14 home runs. And that doesn't, that's not as intriguing as maybe other guys are at the position. I don't know. I think we we disagree a little bit. I do think the extra plate appearances are coming. I think he can be treated as a as a full C1, meaning he plays uh, six days a week and just the one off day. I don't know if uh, Christian Vasquez will be the, the backup again next year or what, but I think he can get another 100 plate appearances or so and get into those mid 400s. I think that's where I'm going to disagree. I hear you on the batting average dip, 276. I'm not planning for that from Ryan Jeffers, but I think give me four... 430 plate appearances, upper teens homers, and a 240. At that price, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I think that's the um, thing. The price for me works. And if I miss out on some of those dudes that I really like a, a bit more, you know, I'm a big T-step guy. I did get him in our uh, in our Gladiator. I can't quit Tyler Stevenson. And that same group I mentioned with uh, Naylor, Ohapi, Haim, Ruiz, Camposano, the two Toronto guys. If I miss out on that group and I've got kind of an oasis there with Jeffers, I'm pretty good with that. I think Jeffers and Bailey are kind of my last chance saloon guys, Patrick Bailey in San Francisco. But I think I, I think Jeffers has a little bit of heat. I, I don't mind that price. I would have thought with the 14 homers and the 276 average that his price would be a bit higher. And I think that he's coming in at a fair price for an age 27 guy who I believe can get into that 400 plus plate appearance threshold, which only 19 catchers did. I, should, I shouldn't say only, that's actually an okay number. Uh, he wasn't one of them last year. I think he is next year for Ryan okay. Jeffers. Yeah. So that, that's I, our, I think playing time is our disagreement, not skill. Yeah, I think I think he definitely kind of is the demarcation line of like that tier of catcher. After that, there are a lot of question marks outside of Patrick Bailey, who, who I agree with you. I, I really like Vasquez. Got so much PT. He is 
um, he's not a free agent, so unless they get rid of him, he'll be there. He was just so dreadful. 355 plate appearances of a 65 WRC plus. And now that's two out of the last three years that are really dreadful for him. 76, 99, and 65 are Vasquez's um, WRC plus totals the last three years. Tough part is he's a brilliant defender. And that's um, the and, thing. Like, and he was last year too, in, whereas Jeffers is just okay. We talk about it all the time with closers. Like, managers love their guy, right? The the proven dude. Yep. Same can be said for catchers sometimes. Is managers no, I agree. really like certain guys. That Martin where they handle staff. Yeah, stuff His like whole that. career. And, I mean, yeah, so... He got so many plate appearances despite not being able to hit at all because, and there's value in that. Like I'm not even uh, blasting Baldelli or uh, Baker and them in Houston for playing Maldonado. I get it. When you're building a real team, you don't care about the fantasy output of a guy if he's helping uh, all the pitchers and uh, Vasquez can do that. So maybe, maybe he doesn't get a ton more, but I think if they don't believe that his bat can get better for Vasquez, then I don't think they give him another 355. I think it'll be closer to 300, 290, and those will go to uh, Jeffers. And so upper 300s, low 400s, opportunity for something there. But uh, Andy Rodriguez, another guy late that I could look at at 306. So again, catcher is crazy Austin deep Wells. this year. Austin Wells Fred, is another Freddie one. Freddie Furman. Like. Yep. So, so it isn't, I just want to point out that Bailey for me isn't last chance saloon. I would go with Jeffers, Wells, Andy, Bailey, and uh, Furman as my, my kind of last guy there if I don't have my C2 yet. So catcher's deep, y'all. Um, it doesn't mean I'm out on Adley and, and the, the guys at the top, but if I miss them, I don't shed a single tear. I'm like, fine, I'll just jump down three, four tiers and still get guys I love. So anyway, you got Somebody your chat even, coming up. Someone's even drafted Mike Zunino. What? Mm-hmm. Was Dusty one, in an early draft goofing one, around? One person drafted Mike Zanino at pick 720. But why? I don't know. But it's 720 I feel, I feel like, last bit. That's 48 round. Yeah, no, no. Just somebody. I guess they just draft. figure he'll get another opportunity because he is a good catcher. Good defender. He's a good defender. He's a good catcher. He's going to look great the, in Pittsburgh. The illustrious return of your chats coming yeah. today. You're back on yeah, in five minutes. I mean, so uh, though not a get lot over of there. So get um, to chatting. I'll get in there. You know, when mine start, like I don't open the queue that early. Maybe I should in the off season more, but um, I opened it uh, about 25 minutes early. I've got a, I got a, I got a good question um, that I don't even know if the answer or what the answer is. Um, but worst athletic performance by an actor in a sports movie. Oh, that's really good. Like Freddie there's Prince a lot. Jr.'s uh, windup in Summer Catch was pretty rough. They had to help him out quite a bit. Uh, there's been videos breaking this down, um, and uh, you might need to get into some of those. Yeah, uh, I mean, who's the I best? Just, is is it just easy, Kevin Costner? Uh, I think Kevin Costner's definitely up there across um, the many, uh, yeah. you know, many movies that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I'm looking at a list right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, of worst sports performances. Yeah. Worst sports, sports performances. Uh, a lot of these, I don't even know. Like I've never even heard of. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the dude who played, uh, uh, in the blind side, that was a pretty bad one. Uh, oh, the oh guy Bernie, who played... Bernie Mac and Mr. 3000. Yeah. Oh, John Goodman in, uh, the babe. Oh Yeah. So. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was my, my, my that's my snap vote. Uh, I'm looking at some of these other ones here. He made the list. Bull Dur Tim Robbins and Bull Durham, I thought he was fine. He was supposed to be kind of goofy. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. So I don't know. I kind of thought that that fit the character a little bit there. So I give him, I don't, I don't, I don't hold that against him. Mm. But yeah. Um, oh yeah. Quentin Aaron in the blind side that got the number oh. five. Oh, Sylvester Savone and Rocky Balboa, like, like, I've, screw you guys. Like, that's a that's a classic. How um, dare they? Yeah, um, Chris Klein and Rollerball was the top of this. I don't know if you're looking at the same list or not, but he was number one. Yeah, worst. yeah. Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf might be the answer. I might have to rewatch that because I watched it as a kid and you're not judging things like that very well. I, I believe that Wesley Snipes got some heat for 
um, both White Man Can't Jump and The Fan. Really? See, they kept trying him in these things, uh, but you know they were just thinking that he had the the athletic skills. But I, I don't well, think he. Really, where do you fall on Rookie of the Year? I like that movie. I do too. It's a goofy ass kids movie. Mm-hmm. By the way, we had that boon of kids baseball movies in the '90s. There, I mean, we got so lucky with that. You never see that. Angels again. in the outfield. I just watched rewatched Sandlot, the other Angels day. in the outfield, yeah. Little Big League, Rookie of the Year, like. Mm-hmm. How did we get so many? Unbelievable, unbelievable we, stuff. We don't kids. get the good sports movies anymore. No, we don't get good kids kids sports movies. They, they all have to We're be like adult sports movies. When's the last time a good adult sports movie came out? Moneyball. Yeah, like I know that's, a, that's a pretty long time ago. ago. But they all have to be like that. They have to be like darker like deeper cinematic mm-hmm. they, they're not fun anymore like we're, we're not getting kids and they've run out of movies. like the really good historical stories so it's like, exactly so now they're know. getting into stuff yeah it's either something like that because there's one coming out about um some soccer team that got a million goals scored on them too but i don't know uh, you want you want to you want a hot take i know that you're gonna hate oh god yes rounders rounders is a bad poker movie no it's not <laughs> it's. I mean, it's just verifiably wrong. I mean, I love it. I love it, but but it's like, not bad. It, it's such Mickey Mouse poker, and I know you've got to do it because, like, you have to be able to explain it to people. What do you mean, Mickey play. Mouse poker? Yeah, like, what do you? I, I actually. Of I course, he was going to lose all his money in the beginning. Well, yeah. Have you ever watched a movie? Uh, yeah. No. no. You're just dead wrong on that. I don't think, I don't think you can defend that under any scrutiny. I, I can. I absolutely can. But I don't have time because I have to go start my chat. You're so it was, lucky. It was fun talking you to you. I definitely I that. cannot I defend that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I just dropped Poor that. Horseshit take. Horseshit <laughs> take. All right. Have fun chatting. We'll talk on Friday. Have a good one. Take it easy. Peace. <laughs>